following program is produced and powered by straightradio.com. Hip-hop is consists of a few, few elements. You got the rap, DJs, the B-boys, the style of dress, and the graffiti. It's so Sonic Biggs with Let's Talk Hip-Hop, the podcast. <laughs> Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to Let's Talk Hip Hop, the podcast. And I'm Mr. Biggs, a.k.a. Soul Sonic Biggs, and I got my man Chelly R-O-C-K in the city. Working on your body, Mr. Biggs. Ooh. Uh, We're going to be reaching out to my man TK with the wine of the week. Okay. And uh, this week, man, we're going to talk a little bit about some graffiti, man. Absolutely, absolutely. The unsung element of hip hop, right? For sure, for sure, for sure. Who we going to... um? What's the, who are we reaching out to? Oh, we're going to reach out to none other than my man, Kyle Brinson, a.k.a. Cool Kyle the Star Child. One of the original graffiti artists from back in the day. Also an original early, early B-boy and a well-known MC in the first generations of MCs. Um, and Kyle was an original greedy graffiti artist and he was known back in the days as Spec One. So he's going to talk to us a lot about the days of graffiti and answer some questions about graffiti's role in hip-hop in the early stages of hip-hop culture. And I'm really feeling really good about this one, Mr. Biggs. You know what? I have known Kyle for almost... You know how long I've known Kyle? How long, man? How long? A half a century. Wow. 50 years. We literally, we go back to elementary school. Wow. You know? They call him Spec One because when we were kids, he wore these big glasses. He looked like 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 Peabody and Sherman. Remember Sherman? <laughs> he, he used to wear the Sherman glasses. I show you a picture of him. You were like, oh, my God. He does just like him. And that's where he got Spec One from. And that's my man. We go back a long way. He used to rock that way. mic a little bit, too, right? Oh, Kyle was a bad boy. Now, he, he's an early recording artist, too. Okay, Early okay. recording artist. The early the early era of, of, of recorded rap. So, so, you know, he's got a lot to talk about. He's a genuine brother in the hip-hop culture. So I'm looking, forward, I'm looking forward to talking to that brother. By Absolutely. the way, man, this podcast is brought to you by Mr. Big's Wines, along with Mr. Big's Sons, Wines, Sons, and Court. How was your week, Charlie? My week was really good, quite. Uh, uh, you know, over the weekend, I had to, it's kind of sad, I had to attend a funeral for an old friend. And, you know, it, we're at that age where we go to weddings and funerals, and we're too old for weddings. Everybody we know, they're either married or divorced. Yeah, so yeah, ain't nobody yeah, getting married. Yeah, yeah, so it pretty yeah. much leads funerals. And, you know, so when we go you to the funerals, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And this was like, you know, we had our girl Trina the other the other day, and then so my girl Jean, Eugenia Wright, who I grew up with, and close friend, like a sister, and, and she passed away suddenly. And, um, you know, we had a services. We sent her home over the weekend, you know, and, it was like old old home week. I mean, people I hadn't seen in years, and everybody's taking pictures, and you know, it, it's a sad occasion, but it's also like a reunion. And I, and and one of the things we said was, um, we gotta stop meeting like that. Gotta stop meeting like that, man. And and and, and like you said, every time you go to funeral, you see people like we just went to Trina's uh, funeral, yes. and um, I saw people I haven't seen in decades, man. Exactly. I'm looking at them like. Damn, is that Johnny? Oh, <laughs> how Johnny get that tall? Like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> and like you say, man, we we hitting sixty in the ass, man. And yeah. we got to start meeting and having more fun, like getting together, having these cookouts, and before yes. you know, we just we just need to start doing that, man. I agree, I agree. And you know, I'll be actually fifty nine next Friday. Wow. You know, and yeah, and and you know what? I don't feel fifty nine. Until the arthritis kicks in, then I, you know, I feel every bit of it. 
But, you know, I think, Mr. Biggs, we have young minds. You know what, what I mean? And I think the whole being I think that hip-hop, hip-hop keep us young. That's exactly what I was going to say. It's that hip-hop and that we were at the early stages of it, and we still have young minds. We still think young. I, you know, we run into a lot of people that we know, our contemporaries, and they talk about the new MCs and how they don't like this and they don't like that. And I look at them, and I'm like, well, you're not supposed to. It's not for you. Right, right. <laughs> it's not for you. My parents didn't like my music either. <laughs> you know what I mean? And we're at that age. So, you know, I think it keeps us young. I mean, if you appreciate um, hip-hop, a lot of that stuff is good. And then even back then when we was doing it, a lot of it was good and a lot of it was fucking whack. Just like yeah. today, a lot of this shit is good and a lot of this shit is whack. That's absolutely right. I mean, you know, you got to take the bitter with the better. And it is what it is. But I think when I hear cats who are our age and they're downing all these young people, oh, that's that mumble, that's what their era is. You know, when, when, when we were doing our thing and we were creating it, and I remember my parents said, what's that nonsense? What's that garbage y'all listening to? That ain't no real music. You know, so, I mean, it's always generational, and, and, and people need to understand it's not for our generation. It's for youth culture. My mom used to always say, boy, I don't want to hear that hippity-hippity-hop shit up <laughs> That hippity-hippity-hop. Mom, that's my record on the radio. <laughs> that ain't you. That's y'all. <laughs> people like that hippity-hippity-hop shit. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'm a man. Listen, my father, my mother was a little more, she was a little more open minded. My father, he wasn't trying to hear none of it. All he wanted to hear was Art Tatum. They ain't Art Tatum. They ain't no good, Art. They ain't Art Tatum. I'm like, but daddy, only most people don't know who he is unless you pay it. You know, I don't care. You know, so I mean, it's a generational thing. And I just think that older people probably will remain a lot younger minded like we do if they were willing to embrace and allow younger people to have. What their culture is, it's their right, turn, right. you know? Like you said, it's their turn, man. And, you know, you, you talk to them, a lot of these. And another thing, you know, I've been uh, that keeps me young, and I, I've been coaching high school football for years, so being around those young brothers for so many years, you know, it's, that keeps just being around them and, and understanding them. And, and, like, they didn't understand us when we was coming up. Exactly. And yeah, I'm making my point to understand, and, and I relate to the young brothers and sisters. Absolutely. You know, and the high school football allows me to do that along with the hip hop. You know, I and I try to listen to that mumble shit. I, I just <laughs> I, I just can't do it, man. It's just I can't do it. Well, you know, it's funny because I as you know, um I'm a director of a couple of programs and I work with teenagers like you. I work with teenagers just in a different arena. And it keeps me young too because I'm aware of what they're thinking about when I was teaching high school and, and middle school you know, the various different trends that were going on. And, and, you know, it keeps me, keeps my hand on the pulse. But I think it's always important, too, to always remember that I'm not them, right. that I do understand them. Because I think, you know, it's nothing worse than somebody who's 60 years old trying to be 12. Exactly. <laughs> you know? That's even dressing 12. Like, exactly. Yo, Pops, man, you just as old as me. Pull your goddamn pants up, yeah, boy. Yeah, turn your hat around, man. You a grown man. Where your hat forward? You walking backwards, man. Exactly. Exactly. So, you but know, although, age gracefully. You know what thing got me a little upset this week, though, Charlie? What's all going over on? the media um, was that cop out in Texas that shot that lady. The pregnant woman. But they said she was pregnant, then they found out that she wasn't pregnant, but she was uh, going through a lot of mental stuff, but she had a, a mental problem. Yeah, she's schizophrenic. Yeah, and um, it's just I just don't know who's training these these officers, or or they just told just to do what they're doing, you know. But it's no way 
that young lady should be dead. I mean, I mean he could have handled that way better. You know, yeah. some kind of way she got the taser. It's no kind of way. I'm saying he let her take that taser so he can do what he did, you know, because you – and he wasn't no little cop, and he had 11 years' experience. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm sure he could have handled that situation way better. And then you got the people uh, on Facebook, they uh, – well, he did what he had to do. Like, you know, they, they signed him with this killer. You know, no, you, you did not have to kill this. I mean – she wasn't no big woman. You could have did anything. At that point, man, just knock her ass out, man. It's better than just shooting her. Exactly. I mean, you know, she had she took his taser. Okay, fine. But I saw the woman, and, you know, let's be, he could have whipped her ass. Basically. I mean, <laughs> you know, he could have beat her up, and, and I might not have liked that, but in hindsight, I would have respected that decision more so than you shooting a what, like five times? Five times, like a dog, like a you sick, know? crazed dog. Yeah, and she yelled out, I'm pregnant. And, and granted, whether she was or wasn't isn't even the issue. If she said, just, just the fact that she's a woman, she's obviously mentally ill, and I think the police do not get the appropriate training for Definitely. dealing with people with mental illnesses. I mean, like severe mental illnesses. Right. You know, because that's not the first time they had the... Uh, uh, what was the woman? All the uh, way back in the day on Bumpers, that's way back. Yeah, Eleanor Bumpers is one. There was the one that lived there over by Castle Hill. Right. Uh, I, I can't even remember her name. Um, Daniford or something of that nature. A whole lot of incidents. Her. But, I mean, that's that mental health thing is just so big. And then, you know, the gov- they took so much money away from funding those people, you know, from receiving help. So they taking them a couple of days and they putting them back out on the street. and yes. This is what we get. Yeah, and you know, a lot of it too, it's funny because I had a discussion about all of this recently, actually with this incident. You know, yeah, you know, you get on Facebook and you get into the thread and sometimes there's days when I get into the real conversation of it all. And you know, you're talking to these people and they don't really understand mental illness. You know, when people are mentally ill, and I'm talking about things like schizophrenia, like psychosis. Right. Their brain is really telling them things. They had a th- well, you know, that's my background is, is is social work and psychology and all that kind of stuff. You know, with my degree, right? I remember doing a training back on mental illness, recognizing signs of mental illness, and I remember one of my professors talking about an experiment that they did, where they put someone with schizophrenia in a soundproof room mm. who had audio hallucinations, meaning mm. they hear voices, right? And they put them in a soundproof room and they wired their brain, you know, like right. And the centers of the brain that respond to sound right. lit up Wow! in a soundproof room. Wow. And it actually proved conclusively that they are actually hearing voices. That's deep. Actually, yeah, it's crazy. So, you know, you get a lot of people who are scared of the mentally ill, and some of them are very functional on their medication. But even there, a lot of them don't like to take the medication because they don't want to deal with the side effects. You know, so yeah, um, the side effects would be just as bad as the problem. You know, a lot of medication. I mean, you never know what pushes people to the, to that limit. I mean, even growing up, you know, a lot of a lot of hip hop brothers that started off and started making records, and for some reason they didn't take off the way they thought they would or, or should have. A lot of them like bugged out. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. A yeah, lot yeah, of people who grew up just bugged out when they just they record didn't pop or they uh, wasn't who they thought they ought to be. Yeah, well, listen, you know, I remember when I made the record Cash Money. Right. Right. 
and 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 I think my mother owns one and a couple of friends of mine. That's pretty much it. I've heard people talking about, oh, it's a collector's item. I'd say, really? You the other people who bought it? You know what I mean? But I never had any expectation. It was just fun, something to do. You know, hey, I made it. But I never had expectations of a career or anything like that. I was into other things, you know. And I think a lot of times people don't deal with disappointment particularly well. And, and, and but, but also, a lot of times, those people, that mental illness was there already. And then that disappointment, the trauma of that, right. it triggers it. Yeah, no doubt. You know what I mean? We know a few people like that. Yeah. We're going to be back, man. We're going to be back with our guests. You know? All right, all right. So you guys keep it right there. Soul Sonic Biggs, let's talk hip-hop. We'll be right back. We'll be right back with Soul Sonic Biggs and Let's Talk Hip-Hop. <laughs> I want to let y'all know this was brought to you by Mr. Biggs Wines. And I'm Mr. Biggs from the legendary group, the Show Sonic Force. And I can honestly say I'm one of the true founders of this billion-dollar industry called hip-hop. Through it all, I have been very fortunate to travel the world, enjoy some fine things in life, the finer things in life, that is. During that time, I acquired a taste of fine wine. One day while I was relaxing, sipping on a nice glass of wine, I realized that I'm part of a new generation that just started appreciating the presence of fine wine. Yes, the early hip-hop generation is now enjoying fine wine. Millions of people throughout the world who grew up on hip-hop now enjoy the great taste of fine wine. That's that Mr. Big's wine. So when I came up with the idea to create the first wine of hip-hop, Mr. Big's Wines, I started off with my wife's favorite, the Moscato. And now we have five flavors that you can choose from. Visit my website at mrbigswines.com to order your bottles today. Everybody in the street, in the street, get down to the fucking beat. Yeah, Charlie, I think the people's in for a treat, man. They're in for a treat. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Clarify a lot of things. Uh, we got my man, none other than the legendary Kyle Brenton, the legendary Cool Kyle, the star child. Uptown's finest. Um, is he on the is he on is he on the line? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. My yes, sir. man, cool. what's going on? Yo, cool Kyle, what's good with you, baby? What up, what up? Who that? Who that? Who that? Oh, this is Mr. Biggs, Biggs, Mr. Biggs. What up, Biggs? I can't call. I might spoil it. <laughs> baby, not with that great wine you got. It could never spoil. <laughs> Who's this, Charlie Rock? Yes, it is, sir. How are you, Mr. Brinson? Yo, Anthony, how are you, my man, <laughs> my dude, my baby boy? That's right. That's right. Charlie, since we were six years, seven years old, man. I Five told you, baby. He said y'all go back like car seats, man. Yep. No, what? Before they even made car seats, they went back. Me and Charlie was running around. That's right. That's right. That's right. We talking about bicycles even when you had to hold on and hang on before you fall off. We go back like there that. There you go. There what, you go. So what's going on, my brother? How's everything going with you? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm trying to hang in there, man. You know, just dealing with life life situations as they present themselves and okay. just trying to do my thing, get my name back out there, recreate the brand, let the let people know. You know, our history is getting stolen inch by inch. 
and there's cats that can represent, but they really don't. And I'm going to try to step in and not fill no void, but just let my voice be heard because I'm one of the original dudes and I need to tell people what they need to hear. So when we go, because we're all going one by one, I'm looking, I'm watching, I'm learning, I'm seeing. We need to have someone that represents or somebody say something. So, like, when that day comes, but before that day comes, they don't go, but you know what? I really thought he was dope. Or didn't he do? No, you're going to know what it was. So when that day comes and you start getting accolades that don't matter no more because you're not here to understand them, you're on another level, I'd like to let people know that we're here right now and it matters. So that's, that's what's up, up baby. Yo, Kyle, let me ask you this. this is, I asked all my guests, um, what is hip-hop to you? What's your definition of hip-hop? Biggs, my definition of hip-hop is an inbred, and I don't mean like on the incest level, I mean it's a homegrown, in fact, better word is homegrown. Okay. It's a homegrown expression of our love for identity, fun, and just trying to let people know we existed and we're trying to show, show and we tried to show people we were there and we expressed it through our, our love for parties, our love for dancing, and then it evolved into the DJing and the MCing, the b-boying also, and graffiti. And that's just us expressing ourselves. Hip-hop is a homegrown expression originated in the Bronx that was about love of self and trying to express ourselves to people. That's my definition of hip-hop. That's cool. That's All what's right. up. Now, right. you, you mentioned that word, graffiti. No, I said graffiti, Biggs. That was the last word I, I used. I, I know. I heard. I said you mentioned that word, graffiti, man. Let us know your history of graffiti, because I didn't even know you was you was hitting them. I saw a spec on one a couple of times, but I didn't put the, you know, I didn't put it together. I didn't even know that was you. <laughs> yeah, you told me. He didn't see you with your glasses, oh, yeah, Kyle. Man. That's well, what I it mean, is. Basically... As you well know, Charlie well knows, I come from the Bronx, you know, uptown though. You was downtown, Bronx River. But I was uptown there, Charlie, got no projects. I live maybe 10 blocks away from there. But anyway, back when um, maybe I was like 12, 13, this is like around 72, 71, 72, you know, in New York City. And this is how I see it, and I see it to this day. When we were coming up in the city as, as, as black youth, I mean, what we did was there were cultural changes. Like, every summer, something new was coming up. Right. I remember, and I, I read a lot of your posts, Biggs, and, you know, you, you touched bases on this. At one time, it was tops. Everybody had to get a top. One year, it was yo-yos. Yeah. The next year, it was, um, uh, um, uh, what's the, the thing called? Where you put the, you put the hoop on your leg. And oh, a, oh, oh, and with a, the a, bell. A, yeah, a, the hula, um, not hula hoop. Footsies, footsies. No. There you go. And you swung it around your leg and you try to jump over it. Yeah. Then it was hula-hoops. Skelly was always there. Um, there was always something that we all embraced. Yeah, that was, one that summer, was, that was good, man. That was really good. No, I remember that. That's, and that's there was one up. summer when, um, like, I started noticing, see, I'm, I'm an artist, dude, man. I always, Charlie can tell you this. I've been drawing since I was, like, could put glasses on, which I wear. <laughs> Nobody knows, but you Charlie know. But I wear glasses. And I've been drawing since I was could pick up a pencil. And I always noticed things, like, just art. I noticed that people were writing their names around the neighborhood. And I dug that for some reason. And um, it, it went to the trains. Now, me not knowing, this was going on in Upper Manhattan before it came to the Bronx. The Upper West Side of Manhattan, around Washington Heights, they were doing it first, okay? Jackie 183. He's one of the first ones. Um, so anyway, I see these names on, around our neighborhood and on trains. Just tags. Just We used to call them hits. But y'all call them tags now. Just tags. You know, little name here, one name there. And then the train started getting bit, filled more up and more up. And by the time 72 came, that summer, everybody around the neighborhood had a name. Now, some cats didn't embrace graffiti. And we didn't even call it graffiti. We called it writing. Some cats didn't embrace writing. I mean, 
cats were playing basketball. I played basketball too. I played ball. Um, some cats went to that gang, that gang thing. I mean, for various reasons. But there was a cultural move going on in the ghetto and in the Bronx and in Manhattan. It just, it came over us and we didn't even know what was coming over. So nobody was aware of that at that time. But it happens every year up until like when I was a kid, teenager. I don't know what, what goes on now with these kids. I, I, who knows? But I just know <laughs> that we embrace stuff. And now everybody had a name. Your man Joe from down the block was Cool Joe. And then you put your street number under it. Cool Joe, Cool Joe 216. Right. And then you had another cat. His name is Wendell, his real name. And I shouldn't be saying it, but, you know, he, he's good. This guy on 223rd Street started writing Super Cool 223rd, 223. I knew his brother from going to school with his brother. He's a year younger than me. But Wendell was two years older. But this guy started writing his name all over our neighborhood from the beginning. And then he spread out. I would go places with my family in the car and see his name on the highway. I would go to, once in a while we went to Brooklyn. Once in a while, you know, we, we stayed in Manhattan also because my dad had a store in Manhattan. And his name was on the bridge going across to Manhattan, the McCombs Dam Bridge. And then he would be in Harlem. And he was, I was like, yo. And it's something about that affected me. Like, yo, this guy's name is, I, I want to be everywhere. Right. I want people to know that I exist. So then I thought of a name. And I used to wear thick glasses back in them days. Charlie knows. Yes, I do. And, <laughs> yeah. And at first I was super spec. <laughs> okay. <Super> spec. <laughs> that shit was too long to write. <laughs> so I narrowed it down to spec one. Okay. Instead of putting my street number 221, 221st Street, I put one. Okay. So at first I started hitting, hitting around our neighborhood, Olinville Park, the park benches, the sliding bond. <laughs> yeah, the sliding bond. And then in junior high school, the desk, the bathrooms. And by the time I got out of junior high school, it was a full blown explosion. But me being an artist, I took the test for music and art. I got accepted into music and art amongst other specialized schools in New York. But the one I picked was music and art. And when I got there, there were mad writers there. And see, writers got this culture where you reach out to other guys from different neighbors because the original concept of writing was get your name up. Hit that train. That train comes from East 241st Street, our train, the number 205 train, from White Plains Road and 241st Street. It goes all the way down to New Lots Avenue, which Brooklyn. is Brooklyn. Right. Okay, so cats in Brooklyn are seeing your name, and then Brooklyn guys are writing on trains, and you see their names come back up, and you're like, wow, so now this guy knows who I am. He's seen my name, and I see his name, and maybe he knows me. And it was kind of like a little link to identity and fame, but I did it because I, I just wanted to see my name in places. I could, I could never forget, I was walking on White Plains Road with a bunch of my boys one day, and we had just hit the trains for the first time, and the train went by. And, you know, we used to stop and look at the trains, look up at the trains. The train went by, left Grand Hill Road train station. It was going by 211th Street, 212th Street on White Plains Road, and we look up, and there goes Spec 1. I'm like, oh, oh, see what you Listen to me. They're running my you, train. And you know, who, you know who was my guy? My, my guy was Take 5. Oh, Take 5 on your line, the 6th line. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And his girlfriend, Tina. You always right. take five and Tina. Wow, right. wow, wow. Yeah, yeah, that was my dude I met him because when I went to music and art, I started meeting guys from all over. One of my best friends, who's one of my good friends to this day, was Butch too. Yes. Butch oh, too. Butch yes. too. Wow. Butch and Case. Yeah, yeah Butch, Butch and Case. Right, right. I mean, you know, Case is my dude too. But me and Butch went to music and art together. So me and Butch would leave school in the middle of the day, go get some wine, and just cut out. And go right. I mean, it wasn't Mr. Big's wines, was it? But that's what we did until we got, you know, until Monday. The, the the boys, Dean, came up to me and said, "I know you're one of these guys, and I know you're one of these motherfuckers, quote unquote, writing all <laughs> over the walls in school." He said, "If I see your name anywhere," and he looked at my loose leaf book. Oh. So my name was all over the books. I had to buy a new loose leaf book. 
I invented a new name, and me and Butch and my man Artist, mid-137, and then Coca82 in Malta, who became a big Broadway dude, Kill One, who I got a couple of pieces on, on, on the internet with, my partner, we all changed our names. <laughs> if you call our names, we had to go clean them. So now we have these names. So now we're killing the school. But me and Butch used to leave school. Butch's best friend was Jeff. Another Jeff. Butch's name is Jeff, too. Yes. What's Case? That's right. Case. I met Case around 73. Yeah, maybe 73. Because every day at the school, we would go to the Grand Concourse on 149th Street. On 149th Street, they called the writer's, writer's bench. bench. Yeah. Because everybody came in and met at the school. You know, we're all in school now. To me, I are high school. And around by the time three thirty or four o'clock came, you had about thirty, forty cats at the end. I don't know if you remember this, big Charlie. You might remember because you remember yeah. everything. Yeah, Charlie don't shit. At the end of <laughs> the uptown side on the two train on hundred forty nineteen Grand Concourse used to be a bench. That yes. bench is now moved up, but there was a bench there and a staircase that led to the bridge where you. Were it was a trestle. Right. It was a yeah, trestle. That trestle. That's yeah. where you went across on the no, other trestle. side. Right, right. Okay, so we would meet there every day, and cats would come with markers, and they would come with black books. And they loosely books so each other could sign each other's books. And then we would always tag that wall every day. And then cats would argue and fight sometimes. You know how young dudes are. And cats would smoke cigarettes and weeds so the cops would come. And then they would chase us all the way. They'd say, the next train, be on it. Right. And then we'd all pile into the last car right at one stop, which was, I think, uh, 3rd Avenue. Yeah, yeah, Cross yeah, over, yeah. hop the train again, and go back downtown and hang out till about 5 o'clock. This is the routine. I met Butch with, with Case because Case was his boy. Hey, how, did that, Butch, how did the term um, Hot 110 come about? Yeah. Well, what happened was there was a guy who wrote Hot 110 at one time. He actually wrote that. That was his name, Hot 110. I assume he came from 110th Street, but we no, nobody really knows because he, he didn't write for long. Because what happened was he happened to write his name over another dude's name mm. in the Bronx, I believe. It could have been Harlem. I'm not too sure about that. Some people say it's Harlem. Some say the Bronx. I kind of believe it was Harlem. And what happened was the guy he wrote over was a big uh, Manhattan writer at that time, really getting up in the streets. His name was all over the trains, and the dude got mad. So the dude said, I'm going to find this dude. So back in our day, if you wrote over somebody's name, that was like a criminal offense. Yeah, it was disrespectful. You had to straighten it out with the dude or get duffed out or fight over it. I mean, yep. there was no advance of a <laughs> That's right. So this guy, Hot 110, the dude he wrote over met him one day. I don't know where it was, and beat beat him like the shit out of him, <laughs> part of my language, and and told him you can't write that no more. And this dude was a thug. I think it was Jive Three. I'm not sure because Jive was like that. But anyway, um, so the guy stopped writing, but then Cats adopted that symbol, right? To say I got a beef with you, so to let my man Mr. Biggs know, okay, Biggs, I got a beef with you, nigga. I don't see you all day long, part of my language again. I don't see you, but I'm going to write Hot 110 over Mr. Biggs so you'll know I'm looking for you. Now, you're going to wonder who wrote that. The real bold dudes will write Hot 110 and write their name under it so you knew. Most mm. cats didn't do that because most cats didn't really want to fight. You know, they were just <laughs> popping, you know. They were uh, artists. They weren't right, fighters. Right. <laughs> but that's where it came from. So what it did, it became the symbol for I got a problem with you and I'm going to see you. Yeah, and so you let somebody know that hot, hot I got a hot one, they got a Hot 110 on your name. Exactly, Charlie. You got a hot one. And then people were talking about that for like a week. Yo, man, I seen you sit on the two train, but then somebody put this big ass hot one telling. Yo, somebody got a hot one telling you. So now you're thinking, who is mad at me? Who did I go over? And who got a beef with me? Those three things. And you would live that out until it wore off, or some cat stepped to you. I see many cats get beat down or fight over that over over that stuff because in in the original days, a name was your identity, at least in the in the writing world. Now on the streets. No, adults didn't care. Cats that didn't write, they didn't care. 
But in that particular... In that culture, in that subculture. Cipher, right. That was important. Because that was your identity. And if you diss another man's identity or woman, then that would say you don't really exist. You take the time to hop the... Tr- still spray paint, number one. Cop spray No white boy spray paint. No, <laughs> that's right. Martin Paints on Boston Road. Right. Go to your neighborhood hardware store. Maybe Martin Paints, if you was bold enough, knew somebody with a car, you come out to Queens, Long Island, go in there with your big-ass coat on in the winter, rack up. We call it rack it up. Right. Rack up, and then you had to hit the layups, which is the train in the middle track that New York City used to store the uh, extra rush hour. Extra subway cars that they weren't using during that that particular time. Now you got to jump on the tracks. When you look up from the subway tracks to the platform, it's at least... The platform is by your shoulders when you're standing straight up. You're five foot five or five, whatever. So you got to climb back up. Number one, it's an athletic event. Now you got to be careful of the third rail. Even though it's covered by a strip of wood. Electric boogie for real. Yeah. You could slip, and then I know dudes. My man Paul Gray, who Charlie knows, yes. slipped and fell, almost got electrocuted, almost got hit by a train, running back up on the platform because the train was coming, and we told him, but he wasn't paying attention. These are the perils you face. And also getting chased by the police, getting caught by the police, and then dealing with, if you had a family, dealing with your family when they had to get your ass out of jail, because I got caught on my 14th birthday. And my mom had to come get me out of jail. 47 precinct, Charlie. White yep. Plains Road, yep. 47. Now, yeah, the 12th, 12th district now. That's right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so you think so. And then if you went to the yard, it was even worse. Now, the yard is more spread out. And there's many more trains. But you had yard workers. You had cops. Uh, you had rival writers who claimed the yard, just like gangs claim their own territory. Wow. You had writers wow. that claimed the yard. Yo, you can't be writing in the four yard. This is our territory. They become a baseball bats. Later on, it became guns. But in the beginning, it was baseball bats and pipes. You had to fight these dudes sometimes, worry about the cops, worry about getting beat by MTA workers, which we call work bums, because they always look dirty. <laughs> and the work bums would chase you like it was their trains. Wow. <laughs> Listen, Kyle. So you'd facing all this. And then just to make it back, so a Monday afternoon after school, you could say, I'm sorry. You had an adventure, work, we- you had an adventure weekend. Cat- Hey, hey, Cal, we going to name and go, wow, hey, Cal, you, hey. oh, that's hard, son. Yo, top to bottom, 3D, cloud, <laughs> word. You had Tommy, yo, how you, where you did that? Wow. You wouldn't tell nobody. But your boys knew, because cats would never tell each other where they wrote at. That's what's that's Hey, right. hey Cal, we're going to we gonna have to, we're going to have to get a part two on this, Cal, because yes, we got we to gotta get up out of here. But, man, we okay, appreciate bitch. you. And we're going to definitely have you back. We're going to have Cal, too. We're going to talk about the hip-hop. Yo, yo, input on, on the records you made. Yeah. We're going to do the music thing on the next time we hit you up. How about no that? No doubt, Mr. Prince, I am so happy you came on, my brother. Like I, no, I told Biggs, we go back, too, we go back 50 family, joints, man. half a century. That's right. That's and absolutely Biggs, right. I talk about the hip-hop. I got to talk about the impact you made no and doubt. what you actually did. No doubt. Maybe we gonna def- told you, but I know because I'm a musician My and I'm brother. a historian like Charlie is. And I'm telling, I'm gonna tell y'all what Mr. Biggs, Pow Wow, and G L O B E John did. Yeah, There's gotcha. something you told me. I don't even think you'll you'll probably realize by now. But, but we are gonna reach out to you, man. No doubt, baby. Got you back. Anytime, Peace man. and love, brother. Love you. Cool, Kyle, the star child, giving you a whole lot of good history right there. Oh man, we got to come good, back. Charlie. Yeah, that we got to come back for that one. That's yeah, a part yeah, two yeah, to that. Yeah, that graffiti shit. That's a whole world yeah. in itself. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? And you know, he talked about being an artist when he was a kid, right? right? Kyle and I, as I told you, go back to when we were young kids, and 
Him and my boy, Richard Johnson, my oldest friend, my neighbors. I mean, my mother, when I was adopted and came home from the hospital, five days old, she brought me to Miss Johnson wow. and Richard. That's how far back we go. And they were best friends. Okay. And both of them were artists, and they used to draw their own comic books. Wow. Crazy yeah. comics and crazy funnies. So and they, they was see. they was next level artists. They was like yeah yeah. This, I'm talking about this at nine ten years old. Cause I think I'm an artist. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. You ain't bad. I saw yo yo. For the people in the audience, for 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 the Soul Sonic Biggs fans, Mr. Biggs has a kind of Vincent Van Gogh thing going on. Okay, with his artist, with his artistry, and 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 he tried to laugh it off, but he really does. I hope he doesn't try to cut his ear off or anything like that. But you know, he's not bad. He's definitely not bad. He actually has some talent where that's concerned. Oh, yes, sir. This podcast has brought to you by Mr. Big's Wines, along with Mr. Big's and Sons Court. This podcast is powered and produced by StraightRadio.com. Oh, man. Mr. Biggs, you know what? Every time I think about this song, Funky Music is a thing, this reminds me of 123. When I first walked 123, in. 123, Yes, sir. The place, 123, the place to be. I walked into the party, and I thought it was amazing because it was like two parties going on at one. Remember, right, they used to have right, the divider. Right, right, right. And the first joint I walked in on was Funky Music is a thing by the Dynamic Corvairs. That joint that was just playing. And I was like, oh, man, this is it. I ain't never coming back uptown. <laughs> you know? And, and I didn't. I would pop in there. You know, I slept up there. But as you know, I spent just about every other day in Bronx River. People thought I lived there. It was crazy. We looking out for man TK with the wine of the week. Oh, man, is TK, TK the connoisseur? Is he on? Yo, yo, yo. What's going uh, on, Pop? Oh, man. How you, what's going on out there in Virginia, man? Man, nothing much. Just joining, trying to, trying to make some money for the business out here. Ain't nothing right. wrong with that. Ain't nothing wrong with that. What's going on, Uncle Charlie? My brother, what's going on, nephew? TK, the connoisseur, on the road. I'm, I'm chilling, but I still got that wine of the week for y'all. What is I, it? What is it? Yeah, that wine of the week is that Chianti Classico Resivir. Oh, All right. I like yeah, the way that roll off your tongue, man. He's trying to get yeah. professional with that yeah, shit. Getting I'm, I'm getting better and better every day. <laughs> <laughs> Explain that wine to us. What? what, what, no. what I got you the wine. It's a, it's a red wine. It's from Italy. It's from Tuscany, Italy. You can eat it with some some red meat, some pasta. The producer is um the producer's called Bonici. That's his name. He got some oil. Yeah, he got some oil. He got great wine, but it's a good wine, man. I'm gonna have to check that one out. Did did, did I taste that one? Did you taste that one? You definitely did taste that one. Mm, I got it. was some good. It was some good wine. If you want, man, if, if, hey, just remind me. I got you. I got you. I come back. That's what's I know up. exactly what that one looked like. That's what's up. That's what's up. What does up. he pair this one with? I know TK has said, all the said, pairings. He, he the said, pairing is with it's um red. It's even, it's all like red meat. Okay, so a nice all thick red meat. It's nice like a, thick a, porterhouse. Venison. It's pork like a steak. Ooh. All that. Ooh, I like that. I like that. That's what's up. Yeah. That's what's up. All right. All right. So when you back? When you back off the road, brother man? I'll be back. I'll be back in the studio next week, huh? Okay, okay. I'll be back in the studio next week. That's my I'll nephew. Be, That's my nephew. Yeah, be, hey, 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 I'll what's be, the weather like out there? Yo, it is not bad. It was hot this morning. Real hot this morning, but it got it's nice, cool weather. It ain't bad up I, here in New York. Yeah, yeah. I, I know I can't stay out here because it's too hot. <laughs> <laughs> but it's some nice weather out here, man. All right. All right, tell Melly Mel I said what's up. Yeah, I'll tell everybody you said what's up. All right, all right, all right. You get home uh, safe. You get back here safely, TK. Yes, sir. All I'll right. see y'all in the studio next week. All right, all right nephew. Dog. Peace and love. Uh, Peace. All right, all right.
Okay. Oh, man, that yeah, was it good. Is. I tried. I, I think I saw that one in the basement too. I got to go look down. There. I know it, it could be in the warehouse. I don't. I'm, I got to look at it. I got, he got so many. I got five wines, and him and my son. They got like my other son. They got like twenty wines. Really? Yeah. Wow. They got like twenty wines. I got five of my own. They got like twenty. But he's becoming quite the connoisseur. I mean, the way it rolls off. I'm learning some things. I don't even drink, but it's like I have girlfriends who do, and and and, and they don't know. But one of their Christmas gifts is going to be a bottle of Mr. Big's wine. There you go. There they you have go. no idea. There you, you know? go. There you go. You know, for drinking or collecting, either way, it's a good way to go. You yeah. know what I mean? I mean, so, it, it, it gets beats getting drunk and waking up some. Yeah. <laughs> Besides some, you like, damn, Absolutely. did I do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? How did I wind up with that? What they call them? Coyote ugly? Yeah. Got to chew your foot off to get away? Motherfucking mud ducks. Yeah. <laughs> I woke up near a mud duck. A uh, mud the, duck, yes, uh, indeed. Yo, you know, he was talking about my man Butch and Case. And people don't know about Case, because right now all these people were B-boys too now. Hmm. And Case, the reason I want to talk about Kate, like Butch was my man, because when I was going to Bronx Science, Butch's girlfriend, Lisa Gambrell, went to science with me. And she's telling him, yo, we got to do this a B-boy over here, da, 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 you know. And they came and they couldn't believe it, because, you know, they associate Bronx with like nerds and everything, and 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 we are to a degree the intellectual part, but we hung out like everybody else, smoked right, weed, right, got right, out, right. you know, everything everybody else did. We just happened to do it and get decent grades at the same time. But you know, they came and we and they would come to science parties and we would dance and start going off. And he had his man Case with him. And the reason I want to talk about Case, Case had one leg. Wow. He b boyed with one leg. You don't remember Case? He's from. I know Case. Yeah. Yeah, all that's, right. what, that's yeah. what you're talking about? Exactly. As soon as you said the one leg thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He was a B-boy. He used to dance on crutches with one leg. And was a stick-up kid on top of it Cause with Ron one Fiddler leg. Because had that kid, I forgot his name, but he got electrocuted fucking with them trains, and he used to be in the wheelchair. He'd be popping wheelies on his wheelchair. Who, you about Kenny? No, nah, not Kenny. Kenny, is that was my dude. Yeah, yeah, I love Kenny. I remember one time, man, we was, uh, we was in Yonkers, and they try to roll on us in Yonkers, and we we beat the shit out of these kids. The Polish and, Center. And, yeah, no, this, <laughs> I this, this was the park outside. There's some some shit going on in the park. Okay, and we had the jet cops coming at us, and Kenny, we hit the fence, and Kenny couldn't get over the fence, so I jumped back <laughs> over the fence. I grabbed Kenny, I throw him over the fence, and we, oh, that was the funniest <laughs> shit. That yeah. might have been Trevor Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That exactly. already yeah, Trevor yeah, Park yeah, used to yeah, have yeah. that festival. I remember, right. I remember coming there one time, and the kids from Brooklyn. I'm coming back home way. And they jumped over the cabinets at McDonald's and just, they, they didn't care. They just jumped over and snatched the money out of it. I'm like, yo, they're crazy. I'm I'm into some stuff, but they're crazy. Oh, that so, was yeah, so funny. Yeah. My man Kenny. Kenny, yes, he was. And he was a spade. Spade to the heart. All crippled, you know, a spade. Because he had gotten hit by a bus yeah, or something yeah. like that. Going to the Rumbles. Where you going, man? Get out of here. Yeah, but Kenny was going, Kenny, colors and all. Yeah, he was a trooper. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. Got a lot of memories, man. You know, when I think about you and and and, and all the cats we ran, Kyle, all these people, talking about people I know 45, 50, 50 years, Jones, man. man. That is, yeah. That's, that's real, man. That's real. And and been boys. Yeah, you not just cats, hey, what's up? You know, hung out, did a lot of things. And oh, man, listen, it's a beautiful thing. I wouldn't trade it for nothing in the world. You know, on that part two, I gotta ask Kyle what he thinks about the place of graffiti in hip hop. And you know, the reason I want to ask, there are a lot of people who are purists. I mean, obviously people know as the five elements of hip hop is 
emceeing, and, and, and of course, Mr. Big says at the beginning of every show, emceeing, the DJ, the B-boy, um, the graffiti writer, and uh, what's the, the MC, the B-boy, the graffiti writer, the DJ, and, the DJ. and, they, and, and Bam puts that knowledge thing in there. Yeah, yeah. And the but, fashion. And the fashion, yes. And so, you know. You got to put stick-up kid in there. That's how I feel about it, because, you know, they were a major part of it. Hell as far yeah. as I'm concerned, more than graffiti, Stick if you ask me. Stick-up kid, look what, what you, you done, done did. Got sent up for an eight-year bid. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And, and, you know, there's purists. Who and, and and to be very honest, I'm counted amongst them that don't consider graffiti a true element of hip hop. And when I say that, like graffiti was existing long before hip hop ever came into the picture, there were a lot of white dudes who were big in graffiti who wouldn't have been caught dead at a hip hop party. They wouldn't have been caught dead hanging out with black people, let alone a hip hop party. You know what I mean? They had their own crew, especially Ex down in the um, village area. Yeah, in the, and we had them in the Bronx, too. They had the white boys. They were part of the gang, the white gang, the white assassin, the white angels. Mm. A lot of those cats were graffiti writers. So, you know, um, there's always been that argument. And I really would like to hear what Kyle has to say about that aspect. Being someone who was integrally involved in both graffiti, as you heard, as people will hear on the show, and... Um, as a, as a b-boy and an MC, a well-known one. So I would really love to hear what he has to say about that. I just think it's there because we let it in. Like, you know, it's like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, hip-hop is what society hated. And so it was like. Yeah, they hit you too? Come on in. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it was, yeah. That, was, that was the room for, like, everything that was hated in society. Exactly. Allowed jungle-ass music, y'all. Fuck yeah. it, fuck it. Yeah, it's little thug-ass black kids that shit you got rolling on. around on the Man, floor. fuck it, it's hip-hop. Yeah, get on in here. What you writing on the trains, you little Man. vandal? Yeah, get fuck on it, in it's hip-hop. Hip that's right, that's right. Put him in the room. Put him in. <laughs> he comes on in, too. Stick up, kids, you're robbing everybody? Yeah. That's hip-hop. Get on in, in here. Get in here. <laughs> yeah, that's his shit. Absolutely. Oh, man, Charlie, we be back next week. I don't know. I got to... Who we going to talk to next week, man? And let's talk to a dancer. Oh, my goodness. You we know, got wanna, so many of those. I want to... You know what? Let's... What's her name? Uh, Spinderella. I want to try to talk to her. The original Spinderella. The original, yeah, I want to You know what? That'll be real timely, as people kind of know... Didi Roper, who became the second Spinderella, right. was recently fired yeah, by Salt and, yeah, Salt and Pepper. No one knows, seems to know the story, but maybe talking to the original Spinderella. Get something. Yeah, we might get the inside scoop, Mr. Biggs. That's a plan. That's a plan. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to reach out to her. I, I got a number. I get a number. All right, all right, all right. So I guess it's until next time, Mr. Biggs. Till next time, man. Till all next right. time. Peace and love. Peace and love. All righty. This peace. podcast has been brought to you by Mr. Biggs Minds, along with Mr. Biggs and Sons Corp. Hey, yo, y'all be safe this week, man. Mm. Hey. Yo, Charlie, who was that cat at 123 that had to search ain't no half stepping? And he used to bounce around, and he was bugged out. I thought he was dusted. Remember him? Yeah. yeah, yeah and he yeah. used to walk around. I wish if we had a camera in here, I could show people how he walked around. But he was starting, we were thinking he was coming out. And then... Oh, Sonic Biggs with Lou.